Good morning, everybody at uh, El Monte. We surely uh, are eager to see you again whenever the Lord makes that possible. But just for now, uh, I wanted to give you just a bit of an update in this first segment uh, to share with you some of the things God has been doing with us, especially during a year of pandemic. It's uh, You almost get tired of hearing about it. I don't know if you do, but I do. <laughs> so anyway, just to give you a little bit of an update, uh, our family's doing well. Our son Steve is still in uh, Albuquerque driving for FedEx and uh, doing doing well up there, full-time work, very busy these days. Our daughter Sarah is living near us in Glendale, and she's about 45 minutes away. And so uh, we get to see her about once or twice a month. So Cora and I are living in Gilbert, Arizona now. Uh, some of you knew we were in New Mexico for a little while, and we came back to Arizona. So this year has been a, t a season of really uh, seeing what God is going to do with us even if we're supposedly limited in some ways uh, with the, the virus going around. But in one way, if certain doors close, you know, they, the saying is God always leaves a window open. But we have found during this year that God has given us so many uh, new windows, maybe that we didn't even expect, uh, new things coming up. As I mentioned before, we have had some changes this year, but we... Uh, have seen many things opening up. So I'm, I'm really glad to share a few of those with you. We were not able to go to Philippines this year or Canada as we had hoped uh, with some of the Sharing Life teams. Uh, and our work, uh, some of you or all of you may know already, we work with Global Recordings Network now uh, full-time as uh, my position is a distributor for Global Recordings. And that includes a lot of different things, uh, sharing with people in different uh, native contexts and communities, um, giving some orientation about cross-cultural ministry uh, when native people want to go and then some other people come in maybe from outside uh, just like EFC has done in the past and Generations has been a part of the visiting ministry teams for a long many years so that's been really awesome and we're thankful for uh, the both ways that that works it inspires the people that we go to as in ministry but it also um, lets them know that they have a great part in the Great Commission of Jesus as well. So I'm hoping that uh, the Lord just continues to keep these doors open for us, and I'm, I'm excited to, to be with you all again whenever that opportunity comes up. So we'll make a visit whenever the Lord allows. Um, just a little bit of an update. My, uh, my mom and dad family, uh, my birth family, uh, they have been coming back and forth, staying with us sometimes in Gilbert, Arizona, they have a home in Illinois, so they've been with us for part of this time during this year. And they're elderly, 81 years old, so we're just really kind of watching after them when I'm home. I've been helping with, with family jobs and things like that that they need to, to have done around their home. And I've also been looking for some part-time jobs just to earn some extra money. So that's some of the, the things that I do when I'm home, uh, maintaining uh, our equipment. We have quite a bit of camping gear and things that we mobilize this Group. Right now I'm speaking to you from our, our home office here in San Pedro, Sinaloa. It's about 12 hours south of Nogales, Arizona. We're in the state of Sinaloa where there's a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of drug lord activity here. We've had uh, some not really fearful times, but we're just aware that that part of the culture is here. It's going on and uh, we really take measures to make sure that we're safe as possible when we go out, of course. In the U.S., we have this sort of a legislated safety thing. If it's not safe, we just don't think of doing it. 
But here the souls of these native people are really what is our motivating factor and uh, we really feel like we just have to come in a place like this. I've been coming here for 30 years and the Lord has protected us every year. Uh, we've shared that with you sometimes before. So some of the things I'd like to talk with you today about from Colossians chapter 2 in just a while um, have to do with our position in Christ and His sufficiency in all of our situations. So that's a little preview of where we're heading today. So uh, we have been exploring some new opportunities in uh, Chihuahua. We've been sent an exploration team there this fall to see about the possibility of doing some evangelism work and distributing our materials in the labor camps of northern Chihuahua. And that's a state just below El Paso, Texas. And the city of Juarez is uh, probably, there's more city of Juarez than there is El Paso, Texas. It's a huge city there. But it's been a good launch place for us to see about this new uh, ministry there. And we're excited to see that opportunity in some of these labor camps from there, about six to eight hours south of there. And we just recently also visited a Tarahumara village, which was way farther south in Chihuahua, nine hours from Juarez. Uh, and we had a Christmas box uh, distribution with the Samaritan's Purse gift boxes. Uh, maybe some of you have participated in that in the past or even now. Some of those gifts come to many of our contacts here in Mexico. So that's been a real blessing too to give those out. We had about 200 kids come and another 100 or so parents joined us for that meeting just about three weeks ago in January. So uh, it was after Christmas of course. But it's a great time to see uh, the hearts of young people, kids open up and uh, be open to the gospel. These are very traditional people. We'll send some pictures along uh, that you can look at uh, or po put, post there on the uh, video that good brother Andy is helping us uh, coordinate everything there. So thank you for that. So we've also seen open doors open up more in Sonora. There's two or three new areas there that have asked for help. We don't have a team to go there yet. Uh, we would like to develop that team in the coming months and be able to take some evangelistic work out to these labor camps where there's nothing going on right now. The people just come there for a short while in these labor camps and they uh, work for maybe 200, 300 pesos a day at, at most, which is not a whole lot, you know, 10, 15, 20 dollars a day for 10 hours of work outside. It's either really cold or out in the sun and the heat sometimes part of the year is hot. So, <coughs> excuse me. Pray for these people. I was thinking of every time we we have a, a nice uh, vegetable salad or something like that, we we just eat these vegetables and we don't think too much about where they come from. Maybe there's a sticker on the the peppers that you buy or a cucumber, tomatoes, um, lettuce, and it may say a product of Mexico. But when it says that, I just wanted to remind you, please pray for these. When you see colorful vegetables like that, um, pray for the different many different native tribal groups that there are here in Mexico. There are so many opportunities uh, to minister to them, but they're sort of a, a cultural group that's pretty well hidden. They just come and work temporarily and then they leave. So our strategy is to reach them while they're far away from home and away from the political and religious pressure that there is at home and be able to reach them with the gospel. And they're very receptive and very thankful for us to come. Some of the camps have not let us in because of fear of COVID, uh, either that they would contaminate us or us to them. <clears throat> but there's uh, for every one camp that might say no, we'd prefer not to have your group come in. 
There's five more that say, yes, please come. Oh, you folks are the one with the gospel materials and the movies. Yes, please come in. So there's many opportunities in that way in Sonora and Sinaloa. So without too much more um, delay, let's look at the book of Colossians today. Uh, this morning as we look in the Word of God, I'd just like to read a, a segment of Colossians 2, not the whole chapter, uh, but I have here in my, my standard King James Bible. I hope that's all right. You can pick out another one there if you like. It says here, Paul, to the, the believers there, he says, For I would that ye knew what a great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, we have such a great heritage and, and a treasure in Christ. And when we, when we hear it in our own language, this is an older version of English, of course, but when we hear that in our own language, it reminds us that we, we understand it fully. But when a Mexican native person hears this in Spanish, it sounds a bit foreign to them because Spanish would be their second language. So our goal really is in all of this is to try to take these basic building blocks of the gospel or Christian ministry or discipleship and make that relative to the people that uh, we work with. And that's a challenge that I'd like to leave with you today, uh, maybe in your cultural context. Um, you might be a student, you might have a business or be involved in some professional uh, calling there, but whatever the Lord has given you, uh, to take a hold of that calling and look for these building blocks and, and ways to share the gospel and reflect His love and character in everything that we do. He says in verse 4, This I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus in the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So that is just a really a good encouragement that we, we start out with a simple faith, not understanding everything but we just walk in faith. We take a hold of that calling and we walk it out. We accept Christ. And he says here, in this same way as we have received Christ, it's such a simple thing to say, well, I, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to walk it out. Just the other day, uh, a young man came into our camp here for our divorce, devotional time in the morning. His name is Juan. He's a young man, 17 years old, and he came here and he was just weeping in the presence of God. We have a simple worship time here. It wasn't anything dramatic really for us, I didn't think, but this young man with the Holy Spirit had just prepared him. And this just reminds me, he accepted Christ in such a simple way. His family's been into witchcraft and he's a drug addict. And he kept saying, I just, I've been trying to kick my drug habit, but I'm trying to get over it, but I, I just can't, you know. So at the end of our conversation, I challenged him to stop confessing that he, that he can't overcome it, to say, Better yet, you could say, Juan, uh, I'm in the process of getting free of my drugs. And uh, maybe that's not an issue for you, but every one of us deal with some kind of flesh issue at times. And uh, we need to just realize what God has given us here, the riches and the treasure of Christ. We may not understand it all. Of course, when we first get saved, it's like a totally new uh, opportunity, a new event. And we just accept it by faith. Well, this is what God is encouraging these people in Colossae to do, is to live out their faith by, by just taking one step after the other and not even being aware of 
how we're going to do it. You know, another scripture that you might look at is uh, in the book of John 15 talks about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. You know, at home I planted a little grapevine at home because I, I like kind of fresh grapes. I thought I'd grow some of my own. But you know, every so often you have to cut off those branches and trim off the things that don't need to be there. So there's an analogy in that too, trimming off or pruning the part of the plant that doesn't need to be there so that the fruit and the, the good part that you want to grow can grow properly. So this is an analogy too. If we cut off those little vines that don't need to be there, what happens to them? Some of your gardeners maybe, uh, you see that uh, they just dry up and wither up and you, they're just no good for anything. So is the life of the Christian in that analogy in John 15. He talks about uh, us being the vine, or he is the vine and we are the branches. So when, if we were to be cut off from Christ, if, we have not, if we're not receiving our nourishment from him, then we just wither up and dry uh, in our spiritual life. And we need to be a part of that vine uh, daily and just be uh, soaking up his presence and his love. So let's continue reading here. As ye, verse 6, As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Be aware, too, it says here, that lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's a lot of good wisdom out there today in counseling and a lot of good uh, wisdom that we can use, uh, principles in life. But when people come with us with uh, ungodly counsel and things that just sound good according to the things of the world, uh, it's really easy for people, especially young people, teenagers or kids, to be drawn into a particular philosophy, a way of thinking that is not biblical. And I would just uh, kindly make us aware that we need to make sure that the wisdom that we have is coming from on high, that comes from Jesus, right? Uh, we hear in these camps a lot of times people asking questions. Uh, when we go out every night to these labor camps here in Sinaloa, um, people asking us, you know, what do you think about the United States, the elections, and what do you think about this virus, and is it really going to take over the world? And, you know, they're, they're being fed a whole lot of very liberal news. So we really try to de-emphasize all of that information, but really focus on the real hope that we have, of course, is in Christ. And of course, to take their take measures that we can, but uh, it's very easy for people that have a lower or less level of education to just believe whatever comes along. There's false theology that's coming along here. There's a lot of easy belief. Uh, some people call it greasy grace uh, that people are believing in that. Uh, that's just you know no good. You can just continue on with your life of sin, and you just pack Jesus in as a good luck charm, and everything will be fine. You know the prosperity gospel is uh, hit in the camps here too, but um, the people don't really uh, have a lot of exposure to really solid Bible teaching, but we are thankful that as we have taken the Word of God out there, and we come, we don't live here obviously, uh, we come once a year, and there are just a handful of people here, there's a married couple and two single people that I know in Khan that are doing discipleship ministry, and they're doing a very good job of it, and they're unsung heroes, very un, almost you could say invisible to the rest of the world because we're far away from the U.S. Um, and they have modern communication modes also, but uh, 
If you've never met some of these people, I, I, I really wish you could sometime. There's one lady from Pasadena, actually, Maria Lopez. She was a businesswoman, a human resource specialist for a company in Pasadena, decided to leave her career and her life. She's a Mexican national, immigrated to the U.S. legally. She was trained and went to school there. And um, she was so inspired. She came and shared just today uh, that she wanted to encourage these young people uh, to consider what God would do with them in their life if they're feeling a calling of the Lord in their life to walk it out, to take a hold of these building blocks uh, of discipleship and the Word of God. And it's a big challenge, I realize. It, it really cannot be or uh, implemented or accepted by everyone. But when Jesus gave us this great commission in Matthew 28, He didn't give it as an option. We kind of consider it as an option today but everyone is not called to be sent out in an apostolic type of missionary setting. We're thankful for the way that you folks have sent us out with your love, your prayers, and finances to be able to come. But we realize that the extension of your support to us makes it possible. Just like it was possible for Paul to go to these Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, all these New Testament books that we have are just amazing accounts of his relationship that he had with people. And of course, he was a religious zealot, a Pharisee, and uh, he had a real encounter with God. Even though he had all of his religion in place, he didn't have that relationship with, with God at first. And then Acts chapter 9, we see how he came to, to be encountered by the Lord. So I would encourage you, however God has placed you on that chain of uh, supporting missions, being involved in the short term. I know the church has had uh, Taiwan missions in the past. And I would just encourage you to keep on just as much as you can. Be involved with people that are, are, are like ourselves and people that are not like ourselves too. Uh, sometimes we meet people from different ethnicities. Here's about 360 different linguistic groups here in Mexico. And you know that was the case back in Jesus' time. Uh, if you look at Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, there was a gathering of people for the purpose of taxation. And God used that time in Acts chapter 2 to make the gospel known to those people through the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Remember that time? God used that initiative where people were gathered from many different ethnic groups to, to communicate to them. One verse in that chapter 2 of, of Acts, it says that the people heard them speaking the mighty deeds of God in their own language. And that's a really powerful verse for us at Global Recordings <laughs> because we sure want people to, to hear the gospel in their own language and to be able to share. This was the heart of Paul. He went to people outside of his, his Jewish culture and identity, and there was some um, adjustments to be made uh, as the Jews and Gentiles even became uh, one in Christ. Look at this next verse or two here. It says, For in him, this is verse 9 of Colossians 2, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's talking about the deity of Christ in bodily form. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And Jesus today is still our head, folks. We can be from many different ethnicities and be different uh, callings in life, but Jesus Christ is our head. He's the one who gives us the commands and the orders. And I just wanted to, to comment on a few things as we kind of wind up here a little bit. Um, God is the one who, give us, who has given us the tools that we need. He has given us the ability to relate to other people. For some people, it's a little easier than others, maybe. And for some of us, we're more engaged face-to-face -face with people. 
But I can tell you that no matter where you are on the scale of the sending, the giving, the praying, uh, now we're going to have some music in the background. They um, are finishing up their devotion time there. I hope it's not too too loud, but um, he's given us this framework, and it's the gospel message. It's Jesus. He's given us a sensitivity to their culture, an understanding, a patience to understand what things that they're really important to them. Some of the analogies that we would use in the U.S. don't really relate to people here. So this is what Paul did. He made the gospel relative to the people that he dealt with. He dealt with Jews, Gentiles, young people, old people, religious people, in the synagogue, out in the community. Um, just that's the style of Jesus. That's what he did. So he made it relative. So we might think about this message of Jesus being the core of what we want to communicate with people. But what does it... What does Jesus really bring to the people? He brings redemption. He brings a relationship with God. And that's what we really want people to have overall, is that connection with God. Because when they have the Word and the Holy Spirit guiding them, I can tell you that after so many uh, years of coming back here, people come to us and say, Oh, you're the ones that brought the gospel. My husband or my, my kids used to be on drugs and we used to be a family that struggles and now God has given us a, a brand new life as a family so we know that the Word of God does the work it doesn't return void although we make every effort of course you know to provide them with discipleship when we can um, this is really amazing to see the gospel brings a healing and a restoration <coughs> of their personal lives like no counseling or no financial uh, development plan for them or whatever None of those things can really help them except just the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and God blesses them financially as they put those principles of Christian life into practice. You might also ask yourself, what is it? what does the gospel bring and what is it that we really need in our life? If we live a successful life, we live a comfortable life in the U.S., maybe y'all are in California, we're in Arizona, we live a very, just a uneventful life and we have our grocery stores close by, we have everything we need pretty much at our fingertips. We have the internet for information. But what is it that we really need as far as a human being relating to God? So the real thing that we need, of course, is just to have a relationship with Him and have peace with God because we are recognizing our own sinfulness, our own inability to live a life that pleases God. When we live in our life, when we, when we live our life in sin, we're just there out to please ourselves. That's all we know in the flesh. But when we have the, uh, the Holy Spirit guiding us, He brings us to a place of surrender and to realize I really don't want to just live for my flesh. Uh, so this is part of our missionary call too. It's not just living for our flesh, but for living for, for, to benefit other people, to serve other people. So that's what we try to put that into, into practice. A little bit of a contrast I might make between the life of the U.S., and here in a second world or third world uh, context, we're looking for things that we, in our life up home that, are, that will help us relieve some of our stress, that will help us have peace of mind, help me to reach my goals, okay? We want to better our life in some way, not just financially maybe, but we want to have a, a comfortable life or we want to improve our home. We want to have a better car, a better whatever. We want to take a class to better ourselves, to understand more, wisdom, academics, um, those are the things that drive us at home. But when we come out to a third world uh, setting, or maybe, I don't know if they use the term second world, but Mexico, I would say, is not quite third world entirely, but it's, uh, it's in that direction. 
Here the people are more concerned about relief from poverty and suffering. Who's going to help me if I have no money to go to a doctor? There's no such thing as insurance for most people here. Uh, if you can imagine, if you have some illness, what are you going to do if you get ill? You know, you're just great fear of, of dying and of illness. What about my family? They want their families to be uh, integrated uh, and, and to stay together. And uh, they just want to stay alive. And they want to have somebody somehow provide for their, their basic needs. They're not asking for others to do that. I didn't mean to say that. But they're, they're looking for provision of their daily needs. And so this is the, a difference that I see. Uh, we're wanting to refine our life in the United States. And a lot of times people, in the, like we've been to Philippines, many of you know we go there about once a year, and uh, some other places as well. Some of these tribal groups are, are really living with no electricity. Um, in November we went up in the mountains of Oaxaca, and some of you we've shared our Zapotec gourmet coffee with. Uh, that comes from a place with no electricity. Uh, some families have running water, but it's only gravity fed, like from a tank or a reservoir. And it goes, uh, you know, just down through a little black plastic pipe into their house and they they double it over to turn it off and open it up to to turn the water on and no water heater you take a cold shower so that's the thing and so we're uh, just in a very different context when we have our um, the cultural shock we have coming into this thing but some of these camping experiences that we have here uh, in San Pedro can help us to to bridge the gap and realize what things do we really need in life. Uh, sometimes we, we think we just have to have air conditioning or heat. Uh, well, there's no air conditioning or heat in the camp when we're out here in the elements for two or three weeks at a time or maybe a month. But people say, oh, it must be just really hard or do you have problems at the border? Uh, you know, and well, yeah, we do have problems at the border sometimes. This time they charged me $150 import tax for all the stuff that I had to bring in in my trailer and the van. And I had other people with me. Uh, we usually don't have to do that. So this time we got stuck with a big tax to bring all of our supplies in. Uh, we don't really have any problems with uh, safety at the border. It's very routine. And also when we go back into the U.S., we have everything in order, passports. And they just ask you a few routine questions. Where were you? Uh, what are you bringing with you? What kind of work do you do? Things like that. But... Uh, that's my big answer to people. Isn't it really hard to cross the border? No, it's not that hard. Uh, the Mexican border was closed for a while, but uh, that was only back in June of this past year. So we're thankful. Like I said, God has given us new opportunities here. We've been in Mexico several times since uh, COVID kind of took over everybody's life. Uh, it is present here, but not nearly to the degree of the United States or in California even, we realize there's a lot more restrictive controls there. Um, so when we go out, um, what, is, what are the things that we really look for? If I could answer that question for you, what are, what are you looking to do? What do you do in Mexico? Well, we share the gospel through films. We set up an outdoor projector and a screen. We give out the gospel recorded materials on their devices and we share the gospel with them in a, a way that we hope is relevant and hopefully these are principles that would be useful to yourself as well. Um, we also try to model for them a transformed life. Some of the people that we have here in our camp grew up in these labor camps and they became Christians through this work 25 and 30 years ago. And now as they mature in Christ, they've said, we want to share the gospel with these native people too. And some of the people right here in our camp 
are doing the same kind of work with us. And they are the most precious people. I, you probably may never get to meet them, but I can just tell you, I'll show some pictures then maybe uh, later on. We'll get some pictures or interviews with people. You want to see that. We model a transformed life. So as we live our postmodern life and our, uh, even people say sometimes post-Christian now, you know, this time, let's look for, ahead for this time when we can say post-COVID, when all that's uh, passed over. We're hopeful that that will be the case, but we know that uh, the enemy has a, a way to control our lives and we're try, trying to overcome that. Jesus wants us to answer the question, what would he have me to do? What would he want, if we ask Jesus, what is it that you really want me to do, Lord? How can I live my life better in a way that pleases you? I think the first thing is, like I said at first, to just come in faith and say, Lord, I really don't know what you want me to do. But I believe supernaturally, friends, that God will show you some steps. It may not be in missions like me. It may be in another direction of ministry altogether. I know that in Arcadia, El Monte, all those places right there, there are just so many opportunities with young people there. And I... What I've seen, I'll tell you, even in a secular environment at home, uh, I've seen a real hunger for people. Uh, if they've not have been able to have uh, fellowship as Christians together, as much as we can or love as much as we're able to, continue to engage with people. Just extra, make an extra effort to touch the lives, especially of elders or young kids that might be kind of isolated. So I know maybe these things are maybe go without saying, but... I would just encourage you as much as possible, get out of the the realm of the, I don't know if you call it safety zone or the comfort zone or whatever, but for me, my life has been always about go ahead and take the risk. God has been with us all this time and we're just able to, to see great things. We see a great hunger. Uh, when we first went to La Chigiri this last fall in November, uh, we were amazed that uh, the people had not, they, they hear that people are supposed to stop having church meetings. There really is no reason to stop that there because there's no COVID there. But they heard that the Americans are doing this and some other countries too. So they said, oh, well, if there's a virus coming, we'll do whatever they do. So, but there's, there's no virus in the area. So anyway, so we did have a meeting. The pastor said, well, since you're here, you know, we could go ahead and have a meeting. You know, it's all right. So we came there, and let me tell you, the way the people sang with all their heart, they'd not had a face-to-face -face meeting for so long, and maybe several months, I think six months or so at the time. But they came together, and they, they took some measures. They kind of spaced out a little bit, their, their uh, seating, but, you know, that they sang with all their heart. They just loved to hear the testimonies of some new people. We had brought some young people with us here. The guy, Marcos, here is helping me with the video. Uh, he's a, a recordist trainee with Global Recordings right now. Uh, he was with us and he would share his story and play music and worship uh, with the Lord. And uh, the people just wept and they were so thankful. The young people just automatically come forward and they're so excited. So I pray that this has been some kind of an encouragement to you. That even whatever context that you're in there at home. Uh, or if you have some opportunities to go maybe to a youth camp or so in the future. If that opens up. You know, take that and just take every opportunity you can to reach out to others and bless the lives of them. So we would just like to, to close this time with a, a sort of benediction and allow the Holy Spirit to... Uh, we know that He's there with you just like He's here with us, but we just want to leave you with the blessing of God. 
in your lives this morning as you're watching online or some of you uh, just watching this video. I just want to ask that the Holy Spirit will guide you and bless His Word today in your life. Colossians and all these epistle books are some of my favorites. I've always said that to you maybe before, but I love the epistles because they really give us a good uh, a view of what are the nuggets, the, the building blocks of our Christian life. So take extra time, folks, in the Word and just let God use your building blocks to build up that uh, building of God, the, the, the edifice or the, the building that He wants to make a holy dwelling place for Himself there among you in El Monte. We love you all. Thank you so much. So Lord Jesus, we just pray for your Holy Spirit now to bless the lives of everyone listening to this message. Uh, it's a little different context for me to come back into my English-speaking life up home from this place. But Lord, I just pray for your uh, benediction to be with the people there and that the, the joy of the Lord will be their strength, that God, your presence will be with them and comfort them no matter what they go through. We know some of them have lost loved ones, uh, some have been sick, some have had other illnesses or difficulties going through this. This past year has been difficult for all of us, but Lord, our trust, even though we can't see the end of things sometimes, is just like our faith. As the scripture says that we should continue to walk in Christ as we have learned Him, and just taking simple steps of faith. So I pray that my brothers and sisters at uh, Generations will just be able to do that. Take steps of faith and allow the Holy Spirit